Welcome to Legville. I'm producer Eric Sagan. Support for Legville comes from two places. Sponsors we genuinely love, and people just like you. If you'd like to help us keep the lights on in Legville, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Again, that's patreon.com slash Podcast. The second wave of support comes from our sponsors, places and products we sincerely, truly love. The first is Elsa's. In the 90s, a Scandinavian woman took a cab from Toronto to Montreal and opened a bar in the Plateau Montréal. The rest is history. Perhaps the best place in Montreal, if not the world, to have a lively conversation, a good drink, and some great food, Elsa's wants you to enjoy each other. Also sponsoring the podcast is Wiggle Room. Being that it's the city's most vibrant burlesque venue, a night at Wiggle Room feels like a trip back in time to Montreal's rebellious youth. Right across from Schwartz's and other Montreal landmarks, the Wiggle Room promises to entertain on the coldest winter night and the longest summer evening alike. Finally, we receive support from Good Mix, a hearty breakfast mix that really, really cares about your gut health. It keeps you full and makes your body happy. What more could you want in a meal to start your day? You can find links to our sponsors at our website, www.likevillepodcast.com. Without further ado, here's our host, John Faithful Hamer, introducing today's episode. Welcome to the Likeville Podcast. This is John Faithful Hamer. Today, I'm going to be talking with an old friend, very fascinating guy uh, named Bernard Asagai. Welcome, Asagai. Thank you. It's very Welcome. amazing. Hey, by the way, I got I, I wanted to say, I, I always, I remember when I first met you, <clears throat> I thought it was because the working class neighborhood that I grew up in, in Verdun, they, they still had that sort of custom where you refer to your friends by their last name. So, my friends would call me Hamer, Hamer. You know, they they would call. And so I remember when I met you, and you go by because you're Nigerian, exactly. You're, Ni- not you're Nigerian, and you go by your last name. I was like, I totally get that. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, 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 I I've never, um, you know, to our listeners, I, I've never called Asagai. Uh, Bernard. I never called Bernard, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when people ever. call on the phone, can I speak to Bernard Asagai? I'm like, oh, no. He's yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I know, no you're, a a, I know you're a telemarketer. <laughs> so you have such an interesting, interesting life in the last sort of 20 years. I mean, <laughs> Americans are famous the world over for being unilingual. You moved to a... <laughs> <laughs> you moved, you, you moved to another country, learned yeah. a brand new language, and yeah. moved to Brazil, learned Portuguese, married a Brazilian woman, and have started, you know, started a, a life and made sort of as an entrepreneur in Brazil. So, why did you do this? Like, this is I like, don't know. It's like, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I remember you were really disillusioned with the states and you were like ah oh, the states yeah. sucks I, 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 I had and i still do have uh, many issues with the united states i love my country uh, i love my friends my family but um the united states politically in my opinion um they have to do a lot of soul searching um i, I i've always had problems with the states it's i've never felt comfortable living uh in that country a country i was born in yeah, it's. I remember you saying uh, you you would always talk about like when we were stay you know staying up late at night in Baltimore and stuff like that yeah. and, and talking about. Uh, I, I, I never thought about that. Yeah, Baltimore yeah. exactly. Yes, <laughs> and we'd be talking about and you were always talking about the 
you know, the problems of racism in the United States yeah. and everything. And then you said you wanted to just get out of and go to a place that seemed to be better. And I remember saying this somehow to, to my sister-in-law who's Brazilian. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't know your sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's. And so I mentioned this and she just burst out laughing. She goes, let me get this straight. She's like, let me get this straight. A black man moved from the States to Brazil to find a yeah. better racial climate. <laughs> I know, exactly. Brazil is definitely not it. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, for, let, let me say, that, no, 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 no. Let me clarify that. I okay. think that um, Brazil has a lot to offer when it comes to uh, racial identity. They're more accepting. Um, okay. but, it, but it depends. Uh, for example, Brazil is the most, most diverse country in the world. Um, yeah, I've the heard that. The yeah. largest population of Japanese people live in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Um, yeah. The same thing goes for a large population of Africans. The same thing goes for a large population of French um, individuals, Portuguese individuals. So the country... Italians, they got tons of... Yeah, they got Italian, everything. Yeah. Exactly. The list is yeah. long. Um, and so Brazil, um, I think when it comes to um, mixing and um, it just has many positives. But now to be to talk about the negatives, the country has a lot of issues as well. Like your sister I was talking about, when it comes to race in certain areas, they have a lot of problems. For example, um, look at the school systems here, um, the public school systems, systems sorry. Um, they are divided by race. Um, and when you look at who is being educated, um, again, divided by race. When you look at uh, economics, when you look at who's really making it in the country, divided by race again. Um, I am fortunate to be here. I am fortunate to have been educated in the United States, public school, private school as well. Um, the same thing at the university and uh, collegiate levels. But um, for typical individuals, black and white in Brazil, it's very difficult to come yeah. out in the same way. Do you get, you know, because I've, I've talked to a lot of um, a lot of anthropologists like women, and they talk yeah. about how, <clears throat> you know, if you're doing research in a community that is extremely like gender roles are really, really rigid. And, you know, the men are over here and the women are over here and you go in as a woman, <clears throat> an anthropologist, you get, because of your kind of outsider status and because you have like, you know, you have a lot of status because you probably have money and you have like things oh, like that, yeah. uh, that you get, you know, you get what they call honorary man status. Without right? doubt. Just and the so, and of, so yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm wondering like as a, as a black man going down to Brazil, do you get a kind of honorary white Brazilian status? Like, you know, you know, like th there's all those famous stories about in the Jim Crow South where, you know, <laughs> when, 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 shit, when, going, when, yeah. when shit was really terrible, if you yeah, just yeah. put on like an African, if you put on like, like, like an African outfit, even if you're like from, you know, fucking Boston, if you put on like, you could go down exactly and you would suddenly, you would saying. get honorary. You could stay in any hotel. People what would be very rude, you, you know, nice to you. So what you, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Yeah, yeah. So is, is is there something like that going on in Brazil? 
Yes. Um, that's why <laughs> oh, I'm wow. interrupting you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I apologize. No, no, it's um, all good. It's all good. Uh, you're making me think about, um, for example, um, in the States, this is a good analogy between the two countries. In the United States, whether you're in uh, the North or the South, especially in the South, um, sometimes racism is very thick. It's real. Um, one thing I like about the South, you know when people don't like you, uh, and you know when they do. Yeah. But let's say they don't like you. Um, they don't want anything to do with you, and you know it. Um, whereas you have a hard time seeing that in, in the North, uh, in the northern part of the country. Yeah. But the reason I'm talking about this is because in Brazil, if they know that you're from the States, you're educated, you're working on your doctor degree, you have a company, oh my gosh, bring out my daughter. Doesn't matter <laughs> if she's white, Chinese, French. Please marry matter. her, please. Marry my daughter. Bring her out now. And I'm, we're laughing, yeah. but I am dead serious. No, I know I you are. I know you are. Serious. I really am. Yeah. It's a status country. They see that as adding status to the family yeah. in a way that nothing else will. And now there are positives about that as well uh, and negatives about that. But um, that does not happen in the States. I don't care what you have. I don't care how much money you have. You're black. Get the hell back. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because it, it is in the States. What I find is that it's 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 uneven. You know, because it's not even it's not even just it's not straight up kind of color like a problem with anybody that's got like extra melanin in their skin. Because you can go to you can go to these like really kind of sort of racist rednecky towns in the Midwest <laughs> and stuff like that. And they will if if there's like a like a South Asian guy, you know, like an yeah. Indian or, or Pakistani or from Bangladesh. And, you know, and he's got he's working on his doctorate and he's a, you know, he's whatever. I don't know. He's like a bone doctor or something. And he's like doing stuff. He they will. The, the white people in that place, they will also welcome that South Asian guy with open Absolutely. arms and they'll have no problem with it. And they'll see it as something that uh, that adds to the status of the family. Exactly like what you're saying happens in Brazil. And the same thing goes uh, to some extent, you know, with like if if the daughter's marrying like an east asian it's only if she brings home a black guy that they freak and so it's it, it's a very weird it's a it's a racism like to say that it's just about color yeah it, it doesn't quite doesn't quite put a pin it doesn't in it capture what's going on i agree with you yeah guys. and i it's it's odd i mean what what do you think is going on with that well for here they are really for example Interesting. If you look at uh, the leading uh, music artists here, for example, some of the black artists that play samba or another type of Brazilian music very well, but let's just stick to the black ones. Sadly, what you will see to uh, garnish status, status is a lot of them will end up marrying white women. But there's a marriage. There's not a marriage. There's a problem when it comes to race, but then there's all and, and status. Um, but then there's also um, they feel like 
you know, they almost see like white women as a prize. Yeah. Well, you must be, you must be a, a real kind of mystery to them then. Cause you're a, a black guy who moved down to Brazil and you fell in love with a black Brazilian. <laughs> like, well, well, for example, uh, my wife uh, is working on a master's. Her father is a lawyer. Uh, she comes from a big family. Um, not really. Her father had like 10 properties. Um, it's, it's different. Um, and um, it, it, it's weird. And not everybody's that way. Yeah. For example, one thing I do like about Brazilians and even to say something about the people in the States, especially down south. Down south, like I said, if people don't, if they don't like you, they don't like you. If they like you, they like you. Um, and it's the same thing many times in Brazil. If they really like you. They really know who you are and they sense your personality. They see what you do. They like your action. Uh, and it's the same thing with people down south. They like you. If they like you, they like you. Uh, and it goes a long way. That's what matters to the people. That's what matters more to Brazilian people than anything else that I, that I can say. Uh, if they really, um, if you really show them the best of who you are and they like that, they really like you. They die for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, there's so many things I wanted to ask you about, but you know, number one on my list is I wanted to ask you, cause we've been kind of fascinated by this up here in Canada is, um, uh, the uh, Marielle Franco. Right, you have like oh, you know yeah, uh, you have a you have a, a, a black a black woman who's in a same sex marriage, uh, who is an elected official, just a fascinating, fascinating woman, in so many yes. different ways, who is assassinated because she is. I mean, what what we've heard up here. I mean, I'm gonna ask you what you th- mm-hmm. what you uh, think. Yes. Right, what we heard up here is that she was starting to challenge the militias that run. You know what is it like a hundred yeah, hundred and forty yeah. of the neighborhoods in Rio are run by exactly these, these exactly. militias made up of like firefighters and cops and ex military people and exactly uh, so what exactly. is going on the same story <laughs> okay so For what example yeah what's going what on with all that about that what brings about that a uh, good question um one thing that you're going to, you've been in New York, you've been in my place in New York. Yeah. One thing that um, you would know about New York City, and I tell my students that I teach, if I dropped you on Fifth Avenue, the first thing you as a Brazilian would be shocked about is the amazing amount of police and security you would see in Brazil, in Rio, to be more specific. It's very, very rare that you see security. Wow. There are no police. And I, I really mean that. I mean, I, I could walk and I, I'm on a, my, my office is on the busiest avenue in Rio. Seeing a police car, I may see a police car once a week. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. My, my buddy Michael is living in uh, Wuhan in China right now. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing, you know, like they basically, um, he often goes a week without seeing a police car. He said, you often, and, uh-huh. and I said, well, are they undercover? He goes, no, they're just not there. They're like, just not, they're there. Just not around. Thing. And uh, it's, and, and he goes, it, it basically works because um, they, they have just like, 
an incredibly low uh, crime rate. It's just like it's you know you look yeah. at like the murder stats. Like China has like one of well all of East Asia. They have like unbelievably they they just they're just not very violent. They don't hit each other. They and, they don't have assault. They don't look, have rape. You look at they don't have murder. Yeah. Look at Brazil. It has one of the highest crime rates in the world. Well, that's why you got your Trump, right? Because of all the crime, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. We, well, I mean, but look at what he's doing. He's doing nothing, but, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but um, it's deeper than that. It's not just about providing someone that is serious about security. It's nothing to do with that at all. People can't change if they're not educated. And I mean, the government does no investment in education at all. It's terrible. And it does no investment in security. Um, it does no investment in healthcare. It's sick. Wow. Healthcare is for people that are going to die. Wow. Like when they take you to the hospital, um, my wife works in the largest hospital in Rio, in Brazil, actually. And, it's basically you go there if you're going to die or if something really broke on you and you can't be of, uh, of use to the system, you go there. But it's not health care. It's, pal- it's it, emergency it's health care. Palliative care, basically. Exactly. It's just if you have an emergency. Yeah. A big emergency. A large emergency. Yeah. Sorry. So you were saying that you never see police car. You'll see it like a police car once a week. So how does this, do you think this, this leaves like a kind of a power vacuum? And so the militia, the militia is filling that? Me. That's exactly what I was saying. What I wanted to say, okay. for example, you have a lot of individuals that live in the outskirts of the city. I, I don't want to name places, but they call them favelas. Um, and, they think that, or they say people are coming from the favelas causing crime, and maybe there's some truth to that. But the problem is the vacuum that the police uh, services are leaving. I mean, it's empty. There's nothing. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, recently, you know, when there was all the crazy stuff, and I still have, like, a lot of friends in Baltimore and everything, and I I, I talk to them all the time, and, like, you know, when there was all the, the Black Lives Matter and everything, uh, it, one of the things that happened because of all the police brutality in Baltimore, the police just said, you know what? Fuck it. We're just like not, we're just like, we're, you know, wow. it was like a, you know, like a little kid, you know, sort of like, hey, I'm going to take away my toys and go home. Like they were just like, we're not going to police these neighbors. If you think we suck so much and we're just a bunch of racist pigs, like, fine, we're going to like uh, not police your area. And the mul- the the murder rate, and the 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 Sorry, sexual assault it. rate, and the the robbery rate went through the roof, like, yeah, and it went yeah. it went really 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 bad, you know. So clearly, yeah. you know, they those those for one reason or another, those neighborhoods need policing, and it sounds like Brazil is in a <clears throat> similar situation. But I mean, Brazil is interesting too. Um, for example, in my opinion, I don't think the politicians want, they don't want to educate uh, the masses. They would rather have an illiterate um, group of people that vote so that they can't think. 
If I don't educate them, they will never think about what I do. They will never ask me questions about what I do. For example, um, there is a, a saying here that Brazilians don't remember anything. <laughs> I mean, I, and but, but, but there's the truth to that. They do not remember um, like a policy of someone or what they said or actions that they took. They just forget it. Yeah. Stuff like that comes from education. Uh, there is no education whatsoever. I hate to say it, but none. Wow. Well, Gore Vidal said the same thing about the United States. He called it the United States of amnesia. And, and he said, <laughs> he said, he said <laughs> Americans had no uh, no memory either. And it's, uh, I mean, and I, and I would agree. Yeah. I would not disagree with him at all. I would agree. I, I, like yeah. I said, there are many things about my country I love and that I hate. Yeah. Well, I did notice, you know, moving down, to, moving down to the States, I did notice that there was uh, a difference in terms of historical consciousness between what I had been used to growing up here in Canada and in the States. Cause here people talk, you know, and especially like, like Quebecois, like nationalists and stuff like that. They, they talk oh. about stuff that happened two, 300 years ago as if it happened last week and they know all mm-hmm. the details of it and stuff like that. So when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I was, um, uh, you know, when I was living in the the United States, when people would say like, yeah. I, I wish these people would just get over the whole slavery thing. I, I would say, I would you say, bring up something. So yeah. I would say, uh, well, you know, actually on my father's side, I'm a direct descendant of mm-hmm. Maryland slaveholders. And that uh-huh. was not a long time ago. <laughs> like, that's like, uh, just exactly, like, like, that's exactly. just like a couple old ladies in a row. Like that's like it's it's not that far away that I I'm a direct descendant of slaveholders. So in Maryland, like I actually met a guy. No, I had no. a drinking. I think you actually met him once when you were down there with uh, with Ooh. your ex girlfriend. Yeah, the uh, uh-huh. I, um, I think you actually did meet. Anyway, he lived in my building, but he was uh, a guy that I started that was a drinking buddy of mine, and we were we'd hang out all the time, and we ended up like just it came up because his last name was Dorsey, and he's uh-huh. he's uh, African American, and uh, we figured out because my family uh, on my father's side it goes back to the Dorseys on the eastern shore mm-hmm. of Maryland. And we figured out that probably my ancestors owned his ancestors. So, like, that's not far away. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah, that's like pretty. You're making me think, though. For example, um, one of the issues and challenges with Brazil, for example, in making change and making the society better is the age problem. For example, Canada, you won't have a lot of older individuals in your society. That's a problem right now for you all. But for example, in Brazil, do you know the average age of Brazil? Of Brazilians? What is it? The average age is 25. Oh my God. (laughs) Exactly. Of 200 million people, 25 is the average age. What what an unbelievable youth culture that must be. Exactly. exactly. I mean, like, you can think about that for days. That's amazing. When when you're that young, you don't have a concept of tomorrow, nor an understanding of what happened yesterday. Wow. And that's what you're dealing with here when you 
add in the mix that the government doesn't support anything and they want to keep you dumb, you have a bomb. That's what you're dealing with with Brazil. Wow. So what what do you think? Why do you think she was killed? Why do you think Franco was killed? I think because of power. Uh, I think um, power, influence, and to um, silence the voice. Like I said, um, her, for example, she, excuse me, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm talking. She was very influential and she had a lot of followers. Um, and so people see that as a threat. You're showing them how to gain power and support people will kill that here. Mm-hmm. Even me uh, in, in, uh, in this country, um, to lead people and show them power, people would see that as a threat, those that are in power right now, especially um, politically. The political class that is ruling the country, they don't have education themselves. Really? If they did, they would invest in themselves and really lift this country up. Brazil has more resources than any other country in the world. And yeah, you like is is it? I I heard that like it's like right now something like twenty five percent of Brazil's exports go to China. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is For just example, wild. A trade war in the United States. There is a trade war with the United States and China. Where is China buying its beef from? Before, it was the United States. Where they're buying it from now? Brazil. Brazil has the largest herd of cattle on the planet. They have one cattle for every person on the planet. That's I thought I thought Argentina was so no, 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 do your research on that one. That I do know. They have the largest herd of cattle in the world. That's wild. It's crazy. And that's all uh, and that's all basically what what part of Brazil is most of the, the cattle farming done? Oh wow, now I have to research on that one. But I believe I wanna say in the north, um, but I know it's it's a large area. The cattle herders are everywhere in the country. Brazil is a large country. Oh, and it's there's a massive, lot of empty space. Yeah. It's yeah. massive. And I mean just like I, I it's funny, I, I just finished reading this book uh by Graham Hancock called America Before and he talks extensively about uh, the Amazon rainforest, and he says that how you know everybody says that you know you can't support large populations in the rainforest because the soil's so weak. But he talks about the the ancient peoples of the Americas. They came up with this amazing stuff called uh, terra preta, which is like okay, this black earth, it, black earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like this, like this, like sort of. They called it like. Indian black earth or something like okay. that. And it was, uh, it's this, it, it was basically made by these, it must've been a very sophisticated civilization that made this. And they, like they had soil technologies that, uh, in many ways seem to far exceed our own. And Tell they, the name of your book. I want to read it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's really freaky, but this stuff, it's even thousands of years later, when they find when they find like piles of this earth and this is completely man-made earth because the the regular yes. rainforest soil is unbelievably weak if you that's why if you like rip down a bunch of rainforest and and you know put mm-hmm. some soy soybeans 
the the soil is completely exhausted in like three three or four harvests. Yeah. Like it's like it's useless okay. soil. But there are these these this terra preta which uh, was built up built up, and in some places, a lot of the Japanese places actually have like in Brazil have like you know ten twenty feet of this terra preta, and this stuff you can apparently you can take like a bag of this stuff and just put it on a on some land that is completely dead and it will bring the land back to life like magic you can grow anything in this shit it's like unbelievable right but uh i mean you remind i remind me of a story that i heard when what's I that down here um and they were talking about brazil and we we're talking about colonization and um they were talking about how when the place was colonized, when they were talking about uh, the country, send farmers, send people that really not plant. Because in Brazil, you can drop any seed, anything, anything grows. And that's one thing I can say about the country. Anything grows here. Anything grows here. It's not surprising that they have so much natural resources. Anything grows. Wow. And what is what is life like there? Like in terms of the the pace of life compared to like other I mean you've lived in a bunch of places, but like what is the oh, pace of wow, what is yeah. the pace of life <clears throat> like there? That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question because the pace of life even in the States has changed so much. I've done a lot of research. I of course I've studied in New York, but um even what I know from the 90s in New York up to the 2000, it's so different now. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of homeless, homelessness. Same thing in California. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a very difficult question to ask, um, given the way the economies of the world right now are really in flux. Um, they're in a flux here, too. That's why a lot of people are living in favelas. Um, believe it or not, people have been kicked out of like middle class areas and are actually living in places like favelas because they have no money. Wow. So, but like for for somebody like like you, who's uh, you know quite yes. has been very successful and stuff like that. What because what I what I find, I guess, what I'm trying to get at is that. What I find is that uh, most of the successful people I know in the United States are miserable. They're they're working, you know. They maybe they have a lot of money, but sure. they're basically money, like they're, working, they're, they're, they're like highly paid slaves. Like they're working. Like you know, it seems to me like if you make some money, the first thing you should try and do is like have more leisure time, sleep in be able to take naps, hang yes. out with your family more. But it seems like you'll, yes. you'll meet people who they, they've been very successful and yet they're still working like a dog. I mean, they're working like 70, 80 hours a week, just driving themselves into the ground. And I'm just wondering like if that kind of like work obsessed culture has culture filtered, here. filtered down to Brazil. Yes. Uh... Really? Yes and no. No, 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 not the same, not at the same level. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm talking to you. Um, I almost think that 
that people in the state sometimes are trying to be millionaires. I don't know. They work all day long and they never think about why am I working? Yeah. Uh, what am I doing? And they also don't have um, an important connection to family. That's one thing I can say about Brazil. Uh, your family is very important. Um, even when you get married, the ring is called an alianza. Uh, the alliance is not just between two people. It's between two families. And That's it's amazing. even greater than that. You're extending families. You're extending family. It's, um, families are very important. That's what they call it, an alianza? Alianza, yes. Alianza. alianza. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I know. I, I was the only nerd that thought about it. But, yeah, the alliance. Yeah. But, um, but I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the people, even when you see people that have a lot of money, people that have uh, no money, there normally is still in, I don't know, uh, there's still some type of a Brazilian identity, irregardless of the money. You know, this is who I am. I'm still somebody. Um, it doesn't matter. And I don't feel that I, I have the same I don't see that that way in the States. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I, uh, I I live in a my neighborhood here in Montreal is yes. uh, is a largely Portuguese neighborhood. And yes. there's a lot of a lot of people came over here after the the military dictatorship took over in Portugal in, in 1975. And so there's a lot of Portuguese here. And it's it, family oriented people. Oh yeah, big, big, big yeah, time. Big time. Yeah, exactly. but, but what's interesting is they all they all came over from Portugal, but okay. we've had in the last in the last twenty years, there's been a lot of people that have immigrated to Montreal from from Brazil. And what's yeah. interesting to me is that the Brazilians, uh, regardless of of any other kind of factors, whether it be like race or anything like that. The Brazilians yeah. immediately kind of hook up with the Portuguese and the Portuguese are like, love it, you know, so they, they're all like kind of, they're kind of one community. Do and you know why? Why? Language. That's it. It's just the language. Language. It's Lang sem dúvida. That's the same Portuguese without doubt. Um, no doubt at all. Language. Brazilians are very much uh, a language people. And without the language, you're by yourself. Um, and so, you know, and, and not just Brazilians, I'm, I have friends that are Portuguese too. Um, it's very, very, very important. You're in New York city. When I was at Columbia, um, meeting people that were from Portugal and being able to speak in the same language that is native to them. It's like they were at home. Brazilians are the same way when yeah. it comes to the language. It's funny how language binds people because, you know, you take like, for instance, the the English language, right? Right. Most of the original kind of settlers, people who moved over to United States and Canada, were not from England. They were from Germany. They were from Ireland. They were from you know all these different places, like you know Italy, Greece, and everything. But because everybody ended up speaking the English language, yeah. they have this like weird Harry Potter connection to England. Even though they're not actually, they don't have any real, it, it's just, it's very, it, it's funny to me how language and religion can bind people that 
Uh, you know, I mean, this is what Malcolm figured out towards the end of his life, right? When he went on the Hodge, mm-hmm. that like they, exactly. you know, religion and language have this like this sort of sti- this sticky quality, right? Like where they can like mm-hmm. kind of bring people together that that maybe wouldn't normally <laughs> hang out with each other, hang out with one another. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The uh, so you, I mean, along with like moving down to Brazil and getting married and having kids and all that stuff. You you also you also converted. Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I'm a Muslim. Yes. So what? Uh, uh, like like how? What how is uh, <laughs> how is your how is your sort of your? I mean, uh, that that's I I find that just just fascinating. I mean, like what what uh, what was your trajectory there? Uh, that's a good question uh, and a good answer. It has a good answer. Um, in college, I met my best friend. Uh, my best friend is Palestinian, and um, you know we'd always, often, off and on, spoke about religion, all kinds of stuff. Actually, she and I spoke about. But um, after we both graduated, graduated, she wrote me a letter. You know, we we're talking about you know think about it if you like the religion, uh, if you agree with it, um, just and make some investments in it, learn more about it. And but I did that. I was doing that before we left school together. I was very interested in Islam. Um, but you know, it's so funny because the, the best that. teacher of Islam that I've ever had also was uh, my yes. friend Jaffer Ali, who's also Palestinian. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. he's like uh, he's actually been on the podcast before. He's a very, very fascinating, very successful marketer and entrepreneur in uh, in the united states but he uh yeah he's also palestine that's very funny i guess they're very good evangelists apparently i really i've met her i met her mother of course her father i just really liked her i liked her way of life um and it's one thing that led me to islam i love islam i love the way of life uh, i remember my the way my wife my life was years ago and um, I, I am very happy with my life now. Um, I hope to live long, yeah. um, you know. But um, but if I have, when I close my eyes, I will be very happy doing. Did so. your wife? Did your because wife convert too? Changes. Is she? No, no. My wife yeah. is a Catholic. Um, and um, I never tried no, to convert. I, I, I can't wife. imagine I you doing that. that. You, <laughs> do <it. laughs> I, I, you do that if you want to do that. Um, and basically that was the same thing that happened to me. You do it if you want yeah. to do it. Um, but, um, yeah, she, my wife is a Catholic. I am a Muslim. I became a Muslim after I married. Oh, wow. It was something that, yeah, I became a Muslim after I married. Yeah. A year after I, I married. Yeah. So was she like, I'm going to rethink this or? <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. <laughs> yes, she was. But, um, no, literally. Yeah. Yes, she was. But um, but even certain things, um, she had to really rethink. Um, listen, the way I am now is the same way I was when I met you. There, there, nothing is really that different. Um, what do you see that I'm doing differently? Am I treating you differently? I'm not making any major changes. I've changed this to me personally, but even those changes are not major. This is a yeah. process. 
and that process has been in play before I even. No, I, I I've heard the same thing from so many people. I mean, like most recently, uh, from a friend of mine. Uh, I should, probably shouldn't say her name, but but she uh, but no, she no, uh, but, but let me say let me say yeah she heard you. yeah you know who really started that who really started that and really made me think about making who? that change is actually someone that you know she would never know this my ex no way my ex girlfriend had a book that I had in my room on Islam that I took out of the library at Rutgers. Uh, and she read is the this, book. Is this the Karen Armstrong's book? Yes, yes. We're talking about the same person. Oh my gosh, she recommended uh, that she book said, to me too. I read it. It was so good. She said her biography me, of the prophet. I, I want the book. I yeah. think the name of the book. I want the book. I want to read yeah. it. Yes, I'm yeah. serious with you. That's, a, that's an amazing book. Uh, uh, she yeah. told me. She told me I could do this. I'm like, are you serious? Um, and I. I never thought anything about it until I began to study myself. Mm. Well, and uh, once I began to study, then I, I made yeah. Change. Well, it's it's you know the friend. It's funny because the friend that I'm thinking of has exactly the same name as your ex girlfriend. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, she uh, she she said her dad um, was uh -huh. you know he was very abusive towards her mom, and he was kind of a kind of a drunk and he was just he was always like you know cheating you know he was just kind of just a, like a jerk yeah. you know and like and um yeah. he basically decided um in his this was in his early 30s he just he decided to uh, uh to sort of take his life more seriously and take his and he he converted to to islam and it was just like the best thing that ever happened to him. Like he suddenly became oh, yeah. this incredibly like sweet, empathetic, like kind person. He was like good to her mom and to her and her sister. And uh, well, he was always good to her, and her sister, but he was not, not good with the mom, but, but uh, he, he just, okay. he just got his shit together and he just like, he became yeah. like a much more, just a, a decent, calm, centered person to be around. And he's been that way to this day. He's, he's just, um, but he's not, um, you know, I've, I've met him like a couple of times. He's not preachy. You know, he's not, uh, he's no, not, not, he's not preachy, sure, but, exactly. but you can I tell, you exactly. can tell you're in the presence of somebody who has just got their shit together. You know, like they've, like they've, yeah. they're, centered and they know what they're supposed to do and they're taking care of business you know like it's uh it's nice yes. you know it's um you know i and well even you even you you have worked very hard on your education throughout the years um and that's a good thing but even certain things inside you have changed um and so as you get older, you make certain changes. You know you're not going to be here yeah. forever. You, you want to leave something for your children. I want them to think about me in a certain light. When they think about me, when they see me, I want them to think positive things. Uh, yeah, I want the same thing for my wife. I want the same thing for my friends. I want the same thing for everyone that sees me. Your education changes dramatically what you want people to think about you. And I'm sure that you have the same 
Yeah. No, sure. I mean, you want to, you want to like be after you have kids, you want to be like the kind of, the kind of father that you wish you had, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and I never, I neither never did had I. one, you know, neither did I. So, I really, you know, like, you know, in the, in the high school yearbook, you know, where they ask you like, uh, on your little, like your picture and stuff like that, they say like, what do you yes. want to be when you grow up? I I wrote mm-hmm. father, and people thought that meant exactly. I wanted to be a Catholic priest. I I actually meant no, father. No, 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 no. <laughs> father, I know. I, I, I never had that, that and I wanted to actually be kind of. Uh, you know, I never knew that you didn't have your dad. Yeah. I did neither did I. I never met my father at one time. I never oh, I did. That. I did. Uh, you know, I I had he was around for a while, but uh, my mom left him because he was just very abusive very yeah, abusive and really that, crazy i think yeah. that's a, so i think that's why my mother also uh never went further with that with really me. okay um yeah the same situation i have a sister that i met really like a few weeks before i moved to wow i never knew i had a sister i met a i met my sister and what was that like Ah, uh, good question. What was that like? It was good. I actually introduced her to my brother as well. Um, it wasn't bad. It was good for me, good for her. But that's just an introduction. When you really get to know someone, that just takes yeah. time. Um, and, uh, you know, building a relationship, um, it takes years to do that. It takes experiences to do that. Um, and um, I tried, but we're just on two different pages. We're brought up differently. My mother, we don't have the same yeah. mother. Well, you, I mean, that's, I mean, I, what is one thing that I, I always, you know, was always impressed about you is that you just, you just have this kind of sort of Leonardo da Vinci kind of interest in everything. And so you, you, I remember anything we'd be talking about, whether it be like some classical music or, you know, heavy metal, any that's kind of like, any kind of weird. That, like poetry or music, I'll you would be interested in. Right yeah, I, I can. I can end it right now. I can end it right now and give you something that I'm doing right now that I, it's going to take me the rest of my life. Which is to what master this. Um, I play oh wow, the cello. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I love the cello. That's amazing. Um, I've been playing it now for like five years. I love the cello. Um, and I really want to become very good with it. I'm good with it now, but I want to become very good with it just for me. Um, but I never knew that, um, how do I describe this? I listen to a lot of classical music, as you know yourself. Um, but I, I began to understand or really see that I was gravitating toward one instrument and I began to know and learn more about it, that that was the cello. Um, and so I actually bought one online uh, and had my friend that was coming down, bring it down. I'll, I'll bring it down for me. I'll, I'll find the teacher here. And I've been learning it now for like that's the amazing. last five years. That, that's so typical, Asakai, though. You're just always kind of like flinging yourself into a new direction and learning some brand new thing or trying some new thing. I mean, you had uh, you had that restaurant for a number of years, the Sweet New York. Sweet New York. Yes, I did. I had yeah. Sweet New York for like five years. Um, yeah, I mean, how did you, man? Because you know, of all the, of all the entrepreneurial hustles uh-huh. that I know, yeah. the the ones that 
end in tears more than any others are the restaurant ones. It just seems restaurants have a very short life. You know, like uh, I, Nassim Nicholas Taleb was, was telling me last time he was up here, he said, <laughs> you know, he goes, the funny thing, the funny thing is if you look at like magazines will have, you know, things like the village voice yes. or, or up, up here, the old Montreal mirror or the hour or something like that. Like, They'll have this sort of best of Montreal or best of New York. Uh And he said, you know, every time if you look at like the top 10 best restaurants, when that edition comes out, usually about half of them have gone out of business. Exactly. Exactly. And and these are the best ones. These are the ones that were voted the best. The cream of the crop. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you manage to keep it open for five years? I, well, for example, let me me find out. Sweet New York, um, I started in 2000 and I think two or three. I just, it started because I missed the New York cuisine. I missed the taste of New York. I missed the food that I ate at many of the restaurants. So I had to actually learn how to make it. Once I did, I hired other people to actually come in and make it. And I learned that other people that were coming down at that time were missing good food as well. For example, Brazilian cuisine is nice, but they were missing that type of a taste that comes out of the States, especially for breakfast and lunch. Um, and I built up on that. And uh, I, what is it? Let's say uh, in three months, I had like 20,000 clients, 10,000 clients, something like that. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, that was a good thing. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I had the experience, but I would never do it again. <laughs> yeah. That's what everybody I know who's done, who's tried the restaurant thing. They've all said like, I'll never do it again. I'll never and and do I'm again. talking, I'm talking even about people who, who came out of it with like, you know, a nice chunk of change, you know, and like, I came, came out, out of it with some money, but I would never yeah. do it again. No. Yeah. Well, it's, you're, you're basically, you're, you're working 80 hours a week and you're, yes. It's insane amount of like yeah. work. It's like if you even there's this one um, there's this one kind of uh, restaurant here in Montreal. It's got three three of them now. And okay. I was talking to the owner, and he said, you know, if if you work out, he goes, I'm doing well. And he uh-huh. said, but if you work out like what I'm actually what my hourly rate is, yeah, uh, yeah. he goes, I'm actually making about like after all my expenses and he's taxes not making and anything, anything. I know what he's like he's like I'm making like about twenty dollars an hour. Yeah, he's and I'm one of the most day. I'm one yeah. And he goes and I'm working like a slave. I'm like Please, I have I no know, I, I have no leisure time. I'm exhausted yeah. all the time. I'm grumpy yeah. all the time. I like <laughs> no no I, I completely but, uh, understand him. Uh-huh. But he he gave me a wonderful analogy. <laughs> he said he said running Running a restaurant, it's like when you see at the rodeos, like the guys where they have to get on the bull. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. You know, exactly. you're basically exactly. everybody knows you're gonna get you're gonna thrown. Fall off. Exactly. You're gonna get exactly. thrown. It's just the person who wins is the person who can like stay on the fucking thing, you know, long enough, you know, which is not very long. Exactly. So, you exactly. know, even a successful restaurant to be able to like keep it going for five years, that's just that's, I mean, you get the cowboy hat. Like that's like that's a, that's a, you know, you were able to stay on the bull for a long time. That's uh, 
So why did you you finally just decided you're like I I'm done? Uh no. The reason I stopped uh, the restaurant's called Sweet New York. The reason I shut that down is because of the changes in the American economy. I began to do oh. a lot of research and I saw that no one was flying down anymore. And I right. saw that. I don't think other people really saw that, but I did. I saw it very clearly. Uh, and I shut down immediately when I saw it. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, basically with the economy taking a downturn, everybody was like, I'm just going to go to Florida or California. I'm not going to fly. I'm not going to leave the country anymore. Right. It's uh, mm -hmm. no, that that's very, very true. That really hurt us too up here because we I had uh, we had a lot of tourist dollars coming up to Montreal from the States. Yes. And when the, when the economy, <laughs> when the economy, we, we get like about a million tourists every single summer here. And when the American economy had tanked that, that sort of was cut in half. And we yeah. were really feeling it, like the restaurants and the the B and Bs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. They suddenly just didn't have all kinds of service industries, without doubt. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta ask you about the elephant in the room, which is which is the leader of your country. Like, what the what is going on? Oh, this guy, this guy about. is like Brazilian politics. Oh, 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 oh. Country. I'm in two places. Where I'm here now, or in the states. I'm talking about in Brazil, like I mean, America oh, is a, is a mess. Everybody knows that, uh, but but Brazil, I, it just yeah. seems like you had you had Lula, who's this like rags to yeah. riches guy who ends thing. up is like taken away in in bracelets and is in jail for you know all this stuff. Yes. and now you've got who this, now who now is being released? He's being released. He's being released. Yeah, yeah, yes. Wow. I'll send you a link. I yeah, thought he was. Uh, I, I thought they had uh, like extended. I thought they had extended no, his no, prison no, no, sentence. No. They reviewed everything and found out that he is wrongly accused. It's political. Well, I think. I think what. I think the my my impression from what I've seen up here in Canada is that um, Brazil's corruption and bribery laws are very very. Um, they're very specific, you know, so not only do you have to, you have to prove because here in Canada, for instance, or I imagine in the States is the same thing. If you can show that you paid off a politician and you gave them like, you know, whatever, like 25 grand in a, in a paper bag, then that immediately they can be charged with bribery. Well, in Brazil, yeah. that's not enough. You have to show no. that that not only you have to show two things in Brazil. You have to show that uh, that the money was given, and then you have to show that uh, that the politician did something for you, right? So the problem that they that I that I had read is that the problem with Lula is that they could prove that he received money from people, but they couldn't prove that he did anything for them. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're down there. Like, what do you, what have you heard? No, I, I, I just, um, I'm not going to jump into that one because I'm, the, I'm definitely not a Brazilian legal expert. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to touch it. Yeah. Uh, but I know that, um, 
he is going to be re released. Uh, and it's looking like I'll send you a link uh, that he has. Uh, he was basically put in prison for for something political. If he runs, if he runs against uh, your your present leader, will he win? Yes. Wow. Uh, in my opinion, yes. In my opinion, absolutely. In fact, That's my amazing. opinion, he was placed in jail so he could not run. That's my opinion. Yeah, because but he, he but when he young. left, he, he left before. that woman. I can't remember her name. He sort of handpicked her and yeah, like, Gilma. Gilma. yeah. Yeah, because it just seems what like, yeah, and it, it just seems like even, you know, your your present leader, he's like, he he also is something out of a kind of a action movie. I mean, guy gets stabbed during the campaign and he like, he, he's like somebody who, I, I, while he I was there. I think that was, I think that was staged. Wow. So people would feel bad for him. For no him, way. So that they would vote for him. Yeah, you, yes. That's the kind of politics you have here. You're dealing with people that don't have a lot of education. They would he not didn't, think he of almost, that. He almost died, didn't he? It doesn't matter. Maybe they stabbed him wrong, but yeah, I think that was for stage, personally. Wow. And because, he I mean, that. Yeah, I mean, he won. But I mean, part of the reason he won that I've heard from my, my students who are Brazilian and have family down there, yes. they said, um, the amount of violence in Brazil was just absolutely ridiculous. Like everybody Yeah, and a lot of people were really, really angry and really sick of they everybody knew somebody that had been, you know, robbed at gunpoint, who had been like yes. just carjacked yes. and all this stuff. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Wow. No, never, thank God. No. It's no, never happened never to you. Uh, but I know many people that it does. You you probably live in a nice neighborhood, though. Yeah, no, I do not, because it probably would happen in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> no, I live in a nice neighborhood. It's not bad, but but seriously. So um, what do you you have like I Brazilian Brazilian jiu-jitsu or what? <laughs> no, I I wear normally sandals. I I don't carry a lot of money on me. Uh, if you think I have something. You're crazy. I don't carry a watch. I don't carry gold. Um, there's some places I don't even wear my wedding ring to give you an understanding. Wow. Because I know it's dangerous. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, didn't you have, I remember you, you've had some all sorts of crazy experiences, but I, if I remember correctly, you had this experience years ago where you were going down to Argentina or Peru and you were on going yeah, down on vacation, yeah, and you got you got robbed like like the first day you yeah. got there or something, by like a yeah, whole yeah. bunch of me people. Me and my ex, said, you and I both know again. Yeah, my ex um, went down to Venezuela. It was Venezuela. Caracas. Okay, it was Venezuela. It was Caracas, um, and I didn't really know about that area, and she did not really know about the area. We did some research, and we thought it would be nice. Let's go. Let's check it out. We had money, but we didn't really understand the poverty. Um, and yeah, Venezuela, the first day, got on the ground, got robbed. Wow. And then we you, stayed, turned, um, you turned around and we, went no, back? We, we, we had to come back. Um, I think we came back 72 hours later. Wow. And it yeah. was uh, it was just they they 
took everything. They, I, they took They stole everything I had. Yeah. Wow. Um, we came back using a student credit card at that time. I remember. Uh, but yeah, uh, I had money, but it was in the bank. Um, and so, um, yeah, we came back. I, I don't know. Really yeah. Bad. I don't know if I ever told you this, but, uh, the, there was that, uh, what was the big kind of lefty conference that happened down in Brazil? It was like another world is possible. Uh, oh man, I'm totally blanking on, uh, when, when you, it was, um, probably like about, I don't know, like maybe 10 years ago, Okay. 12 years ago. I'm totally blanking on the, the name of it, but Annalisa, Annalisa went down. Oh, she told me, she told me. Yeah. And she went down for it. And, um, and she got with a bunch of other people. They got uh, basically held hostage and robbed. She didn't tell me this. Yeah, no, they uh, yeah they like. Anna, what happened? You didn't tell me that. Yeah, you know no, they were staying. They yeah. were staying in like because all the it was such a massive conference. People coming yes. from all over the world, and it was um, it was basically so supposed to be kind of a social justicey answer to the davos uh okay. world uh so yeah they called oh the world social forum i think okay. that's what that i think that's what okay. it was called that was the name of the, yeah of the forum and it was uh anyway so everything was taken up like there were so many people in town that you couldn't get any places in, in you couldn't get a place in anywhere uh, so so people yeah. were staying in like favelas and people were like giving them places. So they ended up staying in one, and there was a the sort of a, in a household. But then the 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 son who was like driving them around, he basically realized like you know I want to get more money out of these like exactly. stupid tourists, and yeah, exactly. uh, you know I don't care if they're like supposed to be activists. And so he held them hostage until they gave him like way more money. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she was just, and she, but she went to Carnival and Rio. She did all this. Like, she had a good time, but she said like yeah. the amount of, um, criminality was just, you know, yeah, mind blowing. It's unreal. It's unreal. It still is this way. They wrote it, voted for, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be nice. I'm not gonna call the guy a monkey, but they put this guy in office. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, of course. Nothing has changed. The, he was not going to change that. Things are still bad. He couldn't make those changes. His policies would not make those changes. Another set of policies would be needed uh, to make things be, be different on the ground. But um, it's bad, man. It still is bad on the ground in this place. Mm. I love being here, but I, I will say one thing. I can't see staying here uh, another seven to ten years. So, do you imagine where are you going to go next? Like, where? Why don't you come to Canada? No, 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 come I, here. I, no, I would love. <laughs> that's funny. That Bring you your do. family up here. <laughs> no, I just applied online to Canada two weeks. Awesome! Ago. Oh my god, that's I'm so awesome! I'm not joking with you. Yeah. Uh, the things I like about um about Canada much more than I do up the states. Uh, especially when looking at the educational opportunities for my children. Mm -hmm. I have a son, my son is nine, my daughter is 14, uh, and I'm trying to look forward. 
Um, and Brazil is not it. Yeah. It's not happening in many ways. Well, I know you're going to go to Toronto, but I hope you come to Montreal. <laughs> I love Montreal. No, 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 no. I've been to Montreal many times. I know you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you, but you, you would never go back to the states, eh? No, I'm done with that. <laughs> As I say in Portuguese, Cabo. Yeah, it's over. You're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I really, I that, and to be honest with you, it's sad. Yeah, it's you, sad you totally, you, you totally called country. that Trump thing though. You totally called that. I remember you saying. Uh, you know, like years ago, years before, years before Obama, before Trump, you said, you know, eventually this is going to come to a head. And when it does, uh, you're going to see that this country is exactly what I say it is. And they're going to like, you know, they're going to elect somebody who's just a straight up like, <laughs> like, you know, really kind of. Yeah. And, it, and it's sad. That guy went to my school. What? No, New York military, New York military academy. You both went to the same military school? school? Yeah, and Obama and I went to the same school, Columbia. Yeah, that's same. amazing. But uh, yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, really, what a sad <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the crazy, the crazy thing. I mean, there's so many crazy things about Trump, but the the one of the crazy things about Trump I find is that I I don't. You know, obviously, I can't see the man's heart. You know, like I don't know, yeah. but I don't think he actually is a racist. I think he basically just like sort of played to that crowd, which is almost worse. You know, it, it's almost like to be that cynical. You know, to be that sort of like I'm just going to like play this. I'm gonna sort of sing this. I, 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 I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yeah. sing this song to get these votes or to get the, to get the exactly. support because I don't, I don't exactly. get the impression um, that, you know, like what you were saying about the difference between the South and the North and stuff like that. Uh, I've, I've talked to, well, you know, Annalisa's met Trump twice when she was living in New York. And I know people uh -huh. have like, who've had interactions with him and I don't think, you know, look at Omarosa, right? Like she, even in her book, she says, uh, which which Annalise and I read, Omarosa, she says, uh, I actually don't, I never got like a weird feeling from him ever. And I hung out with him all the time. I never yeah. got like a vibe that he was actually, she goes, which makes his, his appeals to white nationalists yeah, so much more yeah. gross. Because it's like you're not even an anti-Semite, but you're joining the Nazi party. Like you're not, you know, you're not even actually. Is really not with Trump. It's with the people that voted that man in office. Yeah. But at the same time, but at the same time, I don't think that they will do that again. In at the same number, in the same number that they did previously. Really? Or at the same. I really don't think things are changing now. Yeah. I think the real issues that people really need help with, people are really beginning to think about, and this is not the guy to help me with this. Yeah. Have you heard of this book? Annalise and I just finished it. I'm blanking on the guy's name, but it's called Dying of Whiteness. Dying of Whiteness. Dying of Whiteness. No, it it is a really, really, really freaky book. But it's this guy who grew up in the South, like you, uh, and he 
I thought you grew. I thought you spent. I thought you went. I just went. I spent two years in boarding school. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you actually spent yeah, more time there. Going. But um, no, 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 no. But two years in Alabama. Okay, but um, he he grew up in the South, and he basically he he does like a sociological analysis of different states that have sort of gone Trump and have like gotten rid of Obamacare. And he talks about how the, the people who have been hurt the most by the policies yeah. that have put in place are yeah. actually white yeah. men. Exactly. Like white men, white exactly. men are, uh, are having like their, their life expectancy is, is going down dramatically. They're the only yeah. group in American society right now that is seeing its life expectancy go down. And he says yeah. it's crazy because they're 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 getting rid of these like social welfare programs because they're like, I don't want, you know, I don't want people freeloading and, you know, the welfare queens and all that old bullshit. But like they they're getting rid of these programs. And by getting rid of those programs, they're okay. hurting it's themselves. You know, and I wonder if it has anything to do with the education that the people are voting for to get rid of the policies. The people that are getting rid of the policies, I wonder if it has anything to do with their education. It reminds me of what's going on in Brazil. You see Brazil going in this direction and it's heading down a path where people are not really educated. But like I said, in my opinion, it is changing. Mm-hmm. People are really waking up like, no, this is the wrong choice. I don't know how it is in the States. I need to research it. But um, it's changing in the States from what I can see. Well, that is that is a very hopeful note. And I, I'm like, <laughs> I think I want to end there because it's on a beautiful, hopeful note. <laughs> that yeah, things are actually changing. Yeah. But I'm so glad to hear that you applied to... to uh, to move to Canada, that is amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. oh, and you're yeah. going to have to like keep me posted on all of that. And if I can, exactly. if I can help with sponsorship or anything, please like stay the okay. word. And I, Thanks. that, cause that, that would be so amazing. That would be awesome if you're up here, but all right. Well, thank please you so much. Yeah, I will. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us about Brazil and about all your, Amazing, crazy experiences down there. And uh, likewise, likewise. yeah, and I hope to talk to you again soon. I hope so as well. And if you ever want to do it again, please. Oh, I will definitely. (laughs) Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care, man. You too. Take care. Nice to talk to you.